Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you not from Fort Rucker Studio, but from Neyland Stadium, from the visitor's radio booth, I believe, of uh, of uh, Neyland Stadium, where Tennessee has just uh, about an hour or so ago finished the season opener. The Vols took care of business, as expected, 59-10 over Ball State, which has been to a bowl game the past two, two seasons, and I, I don't know that that's going to be a trifecta. We, we will see. I think a lot of that... What, what we just saw in that game, guys, is uh, a lot of good things for Tennessee, but there was also some, some pretty pretty rough stuff from the opponents there. Nonetheless, the Vols will take it, 59-10 to 10 the final. Joined here by Patrick Brown and Ben McKee. Fellas, uh, how, how you doing? And uh, what would you think about the game tonight? Well, I think it was Tennessee doing what it needs to do against a – uh, a team that it should beat by a lot. I mean, we, the line was close to five touchdowns, and, and Tennessee was able to really complete this game without showing a whole lot. Without uh, they didn't, you know, didn't really have any major injuries that, that they came out of this game with. And um, you know, offensively they were efficient. Defensively, only gave up one touchdown early in the second half, I believe. So uh, I think a lot of liked about this performance uh, because you're able to keep things simple. You're able to play a lot of guys. You're able to stay healthy. Uh, and ultimately you're able to win without really any drama. Yeah, I mean, Patrick hit the nail on the head there. Uh, the, the key tonight was to get out healthy. And based off of what we could see, uh, Tennessee did get out healthy. I think the only thing that popped up from, from what we could see was Quasi Garland going down. Uh, and, I mean, no, no offense to Quasi Garland. I mean, if, if he has to miss time, I think Tennessee will be okay. Now, it won't be okay if Juwan Mitchell has to miss further time. Uh, Josh Heupel said after the game when he was asked that he just wasn't able to go. They'll, they'll reevaluate uh, next weekend. Said the same for D. Williams, the corner. Pretty vague. Uh, I guess you can read between the lines there. But uh, if, if he can't go next week, then, then it could pop up as an issue. But that was the only thing that we could visibly see. Uh, I'm sure guys got nicked and, and whatnot. But uh, they got out healthy. And uh, the, the difference between the opener last year and this year was last year you, you kind of struggled because there was a lack of depth and a lack of talent and so much unknown. And, and this year, you know what you're going to get from this football team for the most part, especially on offense. And, and you saw that just flat out dominated Ball State and, and did what you should. You you dominated an inferior opponent. And, and that's what good football teams do. It's that simple. Yeah, One thing that stood out to me tonight, and, and it's not – it might sound in some ways like a criticism, but it's actually, the I think, the complete opposite of that. I don't think Tennessee's offense was that sharp in the first half. I think, you know, Hendon Hooker may have been a little bit 
tardy on some throws just a little bit maybe not enough mustard on a few of those balls out to the perimeter uh, just a couple of things he didn't see that he normally does a couple of throws that were just a little bit off from what he normally makes um, just a couple uh, classic first game kind of sloppiness issues there but you would not know it if you're just sitting there looking at the score. Tennessee absolutely took care of business, despite I think the film will probably show a lot of things that Josh Heupel won't love. I think he'll like the effort. I think he'll like the way they came out and handled business, took care of the game. It was never in doubt. But I think there's plenty of things they're going to be able to look back at this and say, I think we can be better than this. Yeah, I think offensively they had to be more methodical than, than dazzling per se, and, and part of that's the way that Ball State played. I mean, that they played three down on the defensive line a lot, a lot of cover three, a lot of two deep safeties, and uh, you're just not going to generate a bunch of exciting 60-yard bomb touchdown passes uh, against those kind of defenses. So um, I, I liked a lot what, uh, of what Hooker did. Um, he did have some, some throws that were high to the perimeter. I don't know if he were just kind of rushing those or what, but – uh, I think we saw in the first half he, he fit a couple of balls into windows um, against zone coverage. We saw him make a good throw on the run on the touchdown to Walker Merrill just before half. Uh, saw him score two touchdowns there inside the five, and I think his, his legs have to be a weapon in the red zone because that's an extra number that defenses have to account for. But, I mean, just look at some of Tennessee's drives, eight, eight plays, 11 plays, six plays, eight, 11 again. They had to be methodical and couldn't just chunk play this team. Um, because Ball State was playing to guard against those those kind of plays, so uh, a lot of this offense is based off off what looks they're getting and what coverage is and, and how the defense is playing. Um, they probably won't get that you know those kind of looks against Pittsburgh next week because Pittsburgh plays a certain way on on the perimeter, and so uh, they may be able to to see more one high looks that are that are going to open some of those things up downfield for for Cedric Tillman and some of those guys. But um, you know this offense put up a lot of points, seven around seven yards per play. Um, had a good drive there with, with the twos, I think, in the third quarter with, with Joe Milton and, and Dylan Sampson doing a lot of damage there. And um, offensively, I think a couple of the standouts for me were, were Jabari Small and, and Jalen Wright. I thought both those guys looked like they have uh, – we saw some of the, the offseason growth that, that we've talked about and heard about. We saw that sort of translate, at least in my opinion, in this first game. And of the sloppiness, and, and we're, we're nitpicking, um, but I think – possibly something to keep an eye on as you move forward against more legitimate competition. Now you've got Pittsburgh and Florida, two out of the next three games. I, I thought at times the, the defensive front maybe got pushed around a little bit more than they should have. I don't really recall uh, watching it live, a whole lot of pressure on the quarterback. Maybe that's something that will change uh, in terms of my opinion changing when I go back and watch the game again but it didn't feel like they were getting a whole lot of pressure and and Ball State did do a good job of slipping some screens uh, here and there calling them at the right time uh, one nearly resulted in the touchdown when the Ball State player fumbled it into the end zone and it was a touchback the defense got bailed out there but I would have liked to have seen more pressure uh, again just kind of what I said earlier and in, in this game you should dominate the opponent because it is an inferior opponent you're not going to play perfect football that doesn't happen in any sport at any level at any time but I do think that maybe the defensive front should have had a little more success, uh, whether it be in the in the run game or whether it be just getting after the quarterback. So that'll be something to watch. Pittsburgh has a, a veteran offensive line that can move people. Uh, and uh, that, that game, to me, will be won in the trenches. 
I know Tennessee has skilled position players on offense that Pitt will have to worry about, and, and Pitt has some, some nice players as well. But uh, the, the line of scrimmage will determine the winner of that football game. And uh, more so speaking on the defensive side of the ball, I, I think it's going to need to take a maybe not a significant step forward, but definitely be, be better than it was tonight or else uh, they'll get moved around a lot up in Pittsburgh next Saturday. Yeah, you know, you talk about a first game and, and some some transition type stuff and, and some some things that need to get cleaned up. We're sitting here over the top of, of Neyland Stadium right now, and uh, some of the sprinklers have been uh, hitting into the stands. So I don't know that they're trying to uh, water the stands over there, but it, it, it's a first game, right? Everyone's got to got to go through some things, uh, including us sitting up here. By the way, doing this press uh, the, the, this podcast here. We, I'll throw my hand up here. We have uh, one microphone because I forgot a cord, so uh, we we will uh, we're passing it around. Hopefully, the background noise isn't too bad. Hopefully, things sound okay enough. Uh, we'll always, you know, we'll go back and look at the film. We'll clean it up. We'll get better. We'll do all those things. But I thought what was really important for Tennessee in a game like this is you need to start it pretty well. You know, the the the, the longer that you let an inferior opponent, an underdog sit there and I, I was going to say underdog but Ben just keeps saying inferior and I, I, I'm frankly I'm going to roll with it that, that was an inferior looking football team tonight and maybe Tennessee gets some credit for that but the bottom line is you, you want to see a team sort of deliver some knockout punches early as, as possible right you, you want to get more guys in the game roll more guys in there without pressure and, and I thought you could not have asked for a better start you know Ball State wins the toss goes out there, they say they want the ball, and the very first play of the game, they try some razzle-dazzle. Tamari McDonald, in his first career start, I believe, uh, goes in there and picks it off on the very first play from Nichols. So picking right up where Theo Jackson left off last season, making plays. And then his roommate, one play later, Jalen Hyde, uh, Jalen Hyde, another guy who wanted to come out here and have a better season, gets a touchdown catch on the, on the first play from offense. So it, it seems to me like to start like that was a huge deal for Tennessee. And what I liked about that McDonald play, and he talked about it after the game, is I, I, I love that you mentioned Theo Jackson because it was very Theo Jackson-esque. I mean, Theo Jackson isn't the best athlete on the planet. He, he had a great season last year because of his IQ and his preparation. And, and that's why T-Mac, Tamarion McDonald, had that interception. He, he talked about it after the game where he saw the quarterback not hand off to the running back, and he baited him in to throwing it to his side. Uh, kind of delayed getting out to cover the receiver on purpose so he could pick off that pass and – uh, it was very Theo Jackson-esque because he used the IQ uh, to pick off that pass. And uh, you, you, sh- you saw why, not only on that play, he had, he had a great game tonight. You, you saw why the coaches were so thrilled with him this fall camp and, and why he had such a great offseason. And, and, I mean, it, it looks like – I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to have a Theo Jackson-esque year, but he's going to have to prove it against Pitt and, and Florida before I'm willing to go that far. But it sure does, Patrick, look like he's going to have a, a great year and be one of the – the steady players on on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and and that's what you want to see if you're if you're one of these guys, you know, and, and particularly with Jalen Hyatt, it, the question early on this offseason became, can he translate it to Saturdays? Because you can be in the building all you want, you know, put on 15, 20 extra pounds to be able to hold up better. All these things, your confidence can grow, but you really got to go out and do it on a Saturday and uh, in, in a game, and in this case, I guess on Thursday night. So, um, and for Hyatt to you know first offensive play of the series, they run a a concept that we saw a lot last year where the switch route where the inside receiver goes kind of around on sort of a wheel behind the outside guy or vice versa. And uh, the way Ball State was playing, Hyatt read it right, broke the route off. Hooker got the ball out there. It was a pretty long throw. And Hyatt got upfield quickly and was able to get in the end zone. And, and that'll be, you know, a big 
confidence booster for both him and for, for McDonald because um, that can uh, validate a lot of, of the work they've been doing and make it a lot more fun and a lot better to, to go back in the building on Saturday when they reconvene and, and uh, finish this one up and go to pit. But, um, yeah, and it's funny. Those two guys apparently are roommates, and apparently they spoke <laughs> the first two plays of the season into existence because uh, this is according to Hyatt now. He, he – uh, he said they were talking the other night, and, and McDonald said, "Hey, I'm going to go out there and get a pick the other, you know, on Thursday night." And, and Hyatt was like, "Okay, cool. I'm going to go out and score our first touchdown." And, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened on the first two plays of the season. So, um, and, and that was a, a great start. There was a great crowd tonight. I thought um, really into the game. I mean, after the, after those two plays, you saw Josh Heupel very animated on the sideline and uh, bump, you know pumping the crowd up and getting the crowd into the game more. And, and you know that that's what you want to do against these teams and. Um, you know, I got to, you know, Ball State, give them credit. They came out, you know, they didn't leave a whole lot in the bucket. You know, they came out and ran a reverse flea flicker on the first play. They went for a couple fourth downs. Um, two, I think, in, in the first ta- in the first half were, were pretty big in Tennessee building the lead because um, Ball State's second drive, they get across midfield. And, and Kamal Haddon, who I think was a standout in the secondary for me, uh, has great coverage on two, two great uh, on two back-to-back plays to force an incompletion. And then uh, later they, they get the stop on the quarterback sneak where – uh, I, I, you know, Ball State tried a quarterback sneak off a hurry up and I think got it, but Tennessee had called a timeout. And then I don't know why Ball State decided to go back to the quarterback sneak, given that Bryson Easton and, and Dejon Terry, 600-something pounds of, of beef up there in the middle on in the A-gaps. I don't know what they were trying to, to, to do there, why they thought that would work, and it didn't. So, um, and, and situational defense is something where, where Tennessee has to get better. And I think I think Ball State was 5 of 14 on, on, on third down tonight, plus the, the 0 of 2 on fourth down. So, um, again, this is a, a game where you look at it and say it's great. Will it translate? We'll just have to wait and see. But um, certainly some of the things you did see tonight you hope Tennessee can, can do next week and, and moving forward in some of these tougher games. And, and I think I mentioned this in a podcast recently that, that we did talking about how a lot of times during preseason camp and spring practice and spring camp and things, you, you hear – coaches talk about players making these big progressions and, and they talk about, you know, this guy's kind of emerged as a guy who can do some things. And in the past, a lot of those guys, at least at Tennessee, you've not necessarily seen that translate over to the game. Um, but it looks like, and again, this is a small sample size against one MAC team, but last season it was Cedric Tillman, right? Kept hearing his name all offseason, Cedric Tillman, Cedric Tillman. And he goes out there and becomes a 1,000-yard receiver. And now going into into this offseason, what are some of the names we kept hearing? Jalen Hyatt. Kept hearing the name Tamari McDonald, and then throughout preseason camp and late in the summer, started hearing a lot about Kamal Haddon. And those three guys all stepped up and made big plays tonight. And, and I think that's such a it's such a crucial story for this team because a lot of these guys are back from the depth chart last year. You know, they they were either starters or they were, they were second teamers. It's not like they're sprinkling a lot of five star hot sauce onto this team right now. You know, Brew McCoy certainly would, would fit that bill. But, but it's not like the, the, the two deep is just stacked with these stud freshmen and Juco guys they've brought in. You know, one of the Juco guys they were excited about, D. Williams, wasn't able to, to play tonight. So, you know, they, they go out there and they, they develop these guys. And, and these are players who have improved significantly in a small period of time. And, and I think that's always a big thing. Now, of course, doing that against uh, Pittsburgh, against Florida, against you know Alabama, Georgia, et cetera, et cetera, that's a bigger deal. But I think that's a huge deal for Tennessee to do that. And I think that that's, to me anyway, before we go to break here, to, to, to go to break here, I, I just I think that's, that's going to be the defining tale of this team is player development. And it, so far it looks like that, that looks, it looks pretty good right now. 
Yeah, and, and we talked a lot about that going into the season. How much could could returning pieces like uh, like some of these guys we, we we've touched on some of these guys that were good off season stories? Can they take that into the season? And um, can some of these guys like Jeremy Banks, Aaron Beasley, Byron Young, some of these returning guys, can they sort of take the next step? We're going to find out more about this team against Pittsburgh, who uh, is going to be coming down from a pretty emotional uh, opener of their own against West Virginia. They probably, I mean, I guess early in the season, everybody's got a lot in the tank, but uh, certainly they will have invested a lot more against uh, in that rivalry game with West Virginia that went down to the uh, to the final minute game of inches. You know, we always hear that, and then you see a play like that at the end there where is it a catch, is it not a catch for West Virginia there at the on a, on a fourth down. So, um, yeah, we're going to find out more about this team, but certainly – uh, particularly for Hyatt, and, I, and I've touched on this before, a guy that you know has worked so hard this offseason, if, if Stein hadn't gone well, if he doesn't get in the end zone on the first play, you know, what does that do to his confidence? Does he kind of do his shoulders slump a little bit? Um, you know, if, he, if, if he doesn't come out and have a big game or make a big play, uh, and certainly having some success right off the bat will, will make you come to work with a different mentality and come to work and, and see that, hey, this is paying off, so I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's not just the defensive side of the ball where you see guys firmly slotted on, on the depth chart returning, as you talked about, Wes, uh, and, and something we can talk about after the break is the, the depth at the wide receiver position. I, I think that might have been my second biggest takeaway tonight um, is that th this room appears uh, to be deeper than last year. I, I don't know that the top three – uh, are, are going to be better than last year. I think it certainly has a chance uh, because I, I think Brew, Brew McCoy is going to have a terrific year. I think Jalen Hyatt is going to have a terrific year. But then you see Walker Merrill making plays. You see Jimmy Holiday making plays. Uh, Squirrel White was in there very early. I, I don't know if that's a product of, of Ball State. Uh, we'll, we'll see next week against Pittsburgh. But uh, he was in there mixing it up, caught a nice little bubble pass, uh, was in there as a lead blocker on, on a couple of different plays. Yeah, a lot of meat there at a 165-pound uh, lead blocker there. Yes, if, if if you would have told me that Squirrel White was going to be a lead blocker going into tonight, I, I would have had you drug tested. But um, that that's a guy that this staff re really, really likes. And so, you, I mean, you, that's, what, six guys that, that we're talking about? And, and even Ramel Keaton made some nice plays out there tonight. So uh, you, you are much deeper in that room this year than you were last year. And, and when you pair that with Hendon Hooker, who is going to have a good season if he stays healthy, he's going to be efficient man, that's going to be a problem for, for opposing defenses uh, to defend, especially when you look at what Tennessee's running game should be able to do. Yeah, and I think that that's a good place to transition here into a break because coming back, I think we need to talk about Brew McCoy, need to talk about that running game, need to talk about a lot of things. And we're going to go do that just as soon as we step away for a break. Pay some bills, listen to product services, in-house ads, et cetera. And then we'll be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. 
but it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Neyland Stadium. Also, Ben McKee, also Patrick Brown uh, discussing Tennessee's 59-10 season opening win against Ball State. The Vols sort of took control early of that thing and ran away. Lots more to discuss about that game. Before we do that, though, a quick reminder, guys, if you could take about a minute out of your day right now and go in there and rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, we, we darn sure would appreciate it. Uh, if you're listening out there just on the website, that's fine, guys. We, we love you. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. But what helps us out some, the, the most is if you go in there, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google, in, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod. You can find this GoVols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it. No problem. Even sitting here recording this at 12.07 a.m., uh, there's there, there's very few complaints from our end. Uh, but since we're doing it for free, I think it's not too much to ask that you go in there, rate, review, and subscribe. If you're already doing that, thank you. We love you. If not... I award you no points... And may God have mercy on your soul. Guys, Brew McCoy, I think we need to talk about that. We're going to talk about left tackle. We're going to talk about the running game before we get out of here. But I, people are going to want to know about Brew McCoy. And, and I think Josh Heupel tonight talking about the performance said, if you had told somebody who was just kind of watching this team for the first time that that was Brew McCoy's first game in this offense and first game really in two years that he's played a real game, people would not have believed that. And that's a, that's a pretty bold comment. But I think, you know, even though you consider the opponent, I think there's some truth in that. Yeah, I think it's great because <clears throat> for Brew, this is this is a start. Like this is his first game in since December 2020, since the Pac-12 championship game against Oregon while he was at USC. Um, and you know, we've we've touched on how he sort of had to round himself into form. New team, new offense. This offense goes fast. All the guys that got back, they're not going to sit around and wait on him. So, um, but you saw some good things tonight. And and the big thing that jumps out to me here, looking at the stat sheet, is. 27 yak yards so uh he, that that's what he can be um and, and that's a guy who's physical with the football in his hands it's a guy who gets upfield quickly um it's a guy who covers a lot of ground with those long strides of his so um I, I think the the best play I thought he had was the one it was a little bit of a late throw a little bit of a high throw from Hinton Hooker um and, and the and the DB was there just maybe a split second late but but McCoy is able to high point it, which is something we've heard he can do, and, and seen he in in limited viewing at USC that he can do. And he went up and got it, and then got up field quickly for I think it was a twenty yard gain. So um, get him more into the into the mix. I think I think I heard the SEC Network crew talking about he was like the first guy back at the line of scrimmage for a play. You know, so he's adjusting to the tempo there. So 
Um, really good, really positive, really encouraging. Sorry for him, and, and that's what this was going to be. He was never going to be a guy that come out, you know, he wasn't going to come out here and have eight catches for 150 yards tonight. I didn't think that was realistic, and um, they were able to get some other guys some work too. But this was a good starting point for him, and, and we'll see where he goes from there. Yeah, I mean, you, you've always heard about <laughs> how Brew is kind of like a mythical creature just in terms of how he's discussed, whether it be when he was at USC as a, a former five-star and, and you just saw the, the freak athleticism. Uh, and, and you've kind of heard that from from the Tennessee coaches as well, and, and that was on display tonight. I, I thought he looked absolutely terrific, uh, and I, I had a feeling that he and Cedric Tillman were, were going to form one of the better one-two punches at receiver in the country, and, and I feel even more uh, strongly a, a, about that feeling uh, after tonight. Again, need to go see it against Pittsburgh, which has a pretty solid to, to really good defense. Need to see it against Florida at the end of the month. But uh, I, I I really do believe tonight, uh, I, I'm willing to say that Cedric Tillman and Brew McCoy, a.k.a. Bruh McCoy, might be the best receiver duo or probably is the best receiver duo in the SEC. Receivers in the league are, are, are pretty down this year, at least going into the year. It's really even just hard to identify any team's number one receiver outside of a few, uh, but there's very few teams that have a bona fide one-two punch, at least going into the year, and, and I think Tennessee certainly has that, and, and that's only going to benefit Hendon, uh, especially working off a, a running game uh, that I, I thought you saw tonight, Wes, some some really positive signs from. Jabari Small looked really good. He stayed healthy, uh, which is huge and feels like a minor miracle for him. Um, but in, in all seriousness, he, he added that weight, and, and so far, so good. Uh, Jalen Wright, a guy who barely had contact, if, if any, throughout fall camp, he looked good. Aside from the one fumble, uh, he got popped pretty good, which was probably a result of not going through a lot of contact this fall camp, and, and he fumbled it. Darnell Wright was able to fall on it. Uh, and I thought Dylan Sampson look, looked really good as well. So uh, I, I know a lot was made of Lynn J. Dixon moving on. But, Wes, I think as long as they can stay healthy, I think the running back room is going to be perfectly fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't love the scholarship numbers there. I, I just don't. I think you'd rather have another body or two if you could. But, you know, they, they, they gave it a shot with Dixon. They gave it a shot with some others in the portal the, this offseason just for whatever reason didn't work. Um, but the guys that they – did bring in, I, I think, are, are pretty good. I, I like, I like it, especially Dylan Sampson as a freshman. I like him a lot. Jalen Wright's a kid I've always been really high on, and I thought Ben made a really good point there discussing the the lack of contact in camp can really, really kind of lead to some early season fumbles. But, you know, I liked what I saw from Small. I, I've always liked kind of his vision out there. I think the way that he can stop and start on a dime is, is pretty impressive. He can kind of wiggle his way in there and get a couple extra yards, kind of squirt through there a few times. Um, but, you know, when you're talking about just purely physically, uh, Wright is a guy to me that the burst when he gets the ball is really, really impressive. I mean, he's a guy who is bigger than he looks, but but the way that he's able to take off, I would like to see some of those shuttle times and, and, and kind of 10 and 20-yard times with him because I bet they're good. You just you see some guys who kind of have that little burst like a sprinter out of the box, and he, he just, to me, he looks like one of those guys. Yeah, I think the thing that I saw tonight was – those two guys had off seasons where they got bigger, they got stronger, they put some weight on, on their frames, and you saw that. I, I think you saw Jabari Small run through some arm tackles early on. Uh, I think early on you saw Jalen Wright bouncing off some guys. Uh, I think there was a, a fourth down play where a guy came free off the edge, and um, guy got a pretty good hit on him. Now he didn't wrap up, and that was a bad play on, on the Ball State defender's part, but Wright bounces off, off of him and is able to, to fall forward and get the first down. So um, you saw what we heard about, what they talked about, all those things in the offseason, kind of like with, with Hyatt and McDonald, you saw those things in the offseason translate to this game. 
Um, and, and I think that was a positive sign. And, and it, that that you got to feel really good about those two guys. I think leaving this game just because uh, of what they can bring. I think they're really good fits for this offense. They get north and south quickly. Um, they can make defenders miss here and there at, at the second level. I think they need to keep doing that. But uh, I, I think that was one of the standout things from from for me from, from this offense from the offense from this game. Yeah, and I think that that the left tackle position is something also. We need to discuss, and it's always tough for me in a, like an immediate reaction kind of post game pod type of type of deal to sit there and really evaluate offensive line because I personally struggle to 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 do some of that during a game in terms of measuring. Just there, there's only so many places you can put your eyes at a time, right? And, and it's kind of you kind of follow the ball, and so you try to see replays here and there. Uh, but for what it's worth, uh, Gerald Bency did start. J.J. Uh, Crawford came off the bench. Uh, I thought both did some good things. I think you know there was some running to the left side. I think Tennessee's going to do a lot of its running over there to the right side because they got a, you know, you, you got that 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 Spragans and and Wright combo is, is no joke running to the right side. Uh, but I think those guys did some good things. You know, Mincy uh, tried to sign an autograph after a touchdown, which brought great joy to a lot of us. I don't think it brought a lot of joy to Josh Heupel based off some of his postgame comments. Um, uh, also, he tried to write the with, with the with the the cap still on the sharpie. And pro tip, it writes better when when the cap is off. But you know, he's sitting there wearing gloves. It's a touchdown. There's a lot of stuff going on. Hundred thousand people. Okay, I get it. It happens. But in all seriousness, I, I think getting those guys getting their feet wet in a game like this is a big deal because they were able to get that big lead early. They didn't have to sweat too much. And, and those guys got some reps that they, they both, to be honest, really need. Yeah. Th- this competition was never going to end after this game. Uh, and I will say with Mincy on, on the, the autograph, I mean, there's some kids in the front row, let them sign the autograph for, for the children. I mean, come on. Uh, it's a game. Right. Right. Let, you know, let's, let's not get too mad. I mean, about that but uh yeah i mean like i said this 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 competition was never going to be over after this game um they both play they rotated throughout the game even deep into the uh into the the second half uh i I still think mincy is is the more talented player um i I think he brings a little bit more power um but again we're going to find out a lot more about those guys next week because pitt has, has some pretty uh pretty good pass rushers, pretty good edge guys. They're going to have to hold up one-on-one. They're going to be able to pick up blitzes and communicate with the guys around them um, and make sure they don't turn anybody loose. So uh, we're, we're going to find out a lot more about those guys, but uh, I think something that Hypel said, didn't see any penalties, didn't see any glaring mistakes from those guys, which uh, I think is a good starting point and should help them build some confidence. I thought the offensive line had a nice night, and I completely agree with Patrick and – We'll, we'll we'll find out more next weekend because next weekend is going to be a very, very big test. Pittsburgh is, uh, I, I would say, they're pretty daggum good uh, along the, the front seven defensively, and uh, that, that will be the ultimate test. I still don't feel good about the depth along the offensive line. I, I'm not going to feel good at any point this season uh, because the, there is no depth uh, along the offensive line, unfortunately. Uh, maybe there is some at tackle, but on the interior of the line, if Carvin or Cooper or Spragans goes down, they're in a world of hurt. And I thought you could see why tonight um, because they played well. Uh, Darnell had, had several nice kick blocks that, that sprung big runs. 
Uh, Mincy had some some really nice pulling blocks as well that sprung a couple of runs. And uh, I, I thought Josh Heupel summed it up perfectly in the postgame, saying that you couldn't tell who was in there, uh, whether he was being genuine with that thought or not. I, I thought he was because I felt the same. You, you couldn't really tell whether Crawford or Mincy was in there. Uh, I, I thought Mincy was a little bit better out of the gates. Crawford maybe struggled on his first possession. But after that, I mean, I, I thought it was – it was all pretty good, um, but the interior of that line, uh, I, I thought it played really well. And, and I felt good about the starters coming into the season. And then I feel a little bit better tonight, uh, after tonight, and really for one reason. And, it, and it's because I thought they played with a lot of nastiness. I, I thought they were nastier tonight than maybe I've ever seen them, especially Darnell Wright. I, I've never seen him charge at somebody after they, they, they put their hands somewhere he didn't want them to be. And uh, Cooper and, and Jerome, those guys have always somewhat played with an edge, but it, it just seems like they were ticked off the entire time. Jerome Carvin has a personal foul way behind um, the play. You, you haven't really seen that often from him. Cooper was up in the face of several people. We know Spragans plays with a mean streak. That's what makes me feel confident moving forward about the offensive line. We'll see if it results in, in better play as a whole as the season goes on, but sign me up for an offensive line, first and foremost, that plays with a nasty streak, and you saw that tonight from the offensive line. Yeah, I need a show of hands here for which one of y'all it was that that sort of gave a heads up to me when we were talking because I sat between y'all at the game. Who made the comment about Darnell Wright right before the right before he had drew the fifteen yard penalty? That was Ben who who said that there was a, the play before he. That's when he said I've never seen Darnell Wright look like that before. Like he's about to do something. I don't know what it is. But he's about to do something. And I look. Yeah, and and in the next play, the very next snap was when Darnell Wright uh, did what you see occasionally uh, in uh, football across the pond there in England, uh, in, in Italy and Spain and France, when he more or less baited the guy into shoving him after the play, and then he went down like he was uh, like he was trying to get the guy a red card. And uh, it, it, it was the classic, like, you know, I remember like Jonathan Wade a couple years ago, or several years ago against Florida, just kind of those moments where you bait somebody and the ref always sees the second guy because Wright definitely slugged that guy a little bit after the play too. Uh, but then he, he, got, he got, the guy came back at him and he tumbled over like, a, like he weighed 130 pounds, not 330 pounds. And uh, Tennessee got 15 yards, and that was on a third down play too. So that was that was big. That that was that was some uh, KG vet type stuff there. Yeah, and you love Javante Spragans escorting Jabari Small into the end zone with first the the pile push, uh, and then sort of just kind of dra- dragged him in there, um, pulled him in the end zone. That's what you like to see from your uh, your big men. And and like yeah, if they if they keep playing with that kind of physicality. Uh, and they can match that with execution on, on some of the schemes they do up front. This this run game could be a pretty you know, this could be a pretty good running team. Last thing before we get out of here, guys, was there anything else that sort of caught your eye tonight? We'll have much more time to talk about this here in the next couple of days uh, when we do a pod Monday morning and everything. But it, it looked to me like you know maybe at times tonight Warren Burrell struggled a little bit. That was uh, after the way he played against. Pitt there or Purdue late last year and, and at times last season you, you know how much that hurt him you know how hard the kid works heard he had a good offseason he's still a starter and he goes out there tonight I was kind of expecting him to do some things and and he he kind of got I don't want to say picked on that's way too harsh of a phrase in a 59 to 10 win uh, with a couple of those points coming at the end that weren't against your first team defense uh, on a drive that started in the red zone. So uh, you don't want to be too picky there, but I, I thought there were some moments there that you would have liked to have seen him look a little better. I mean, Johannes Taylor's a pretty good player, but uh, the, the, I thought there were a lot more good things than bad things. But my last thought 
is sort of what I said at the beginning to, to double down on it. I think there were a lot of things they could have done a lot better, but they went out there, they got the, the quick start they needed, and they kind of rubbed an opponent's face in it. Probably could have scored 70-plus tonight if they'd really wanted to, pulling Hindenhooker midway through the third quarter. I think the first drive of the third quarter or second may have been his final one of the game, and they played five quarterbacks tonight, for God's sakes. I mean, they they, they, they really could have made this hurt, uh, and they could have played a lot better, and I, I, I think that's it's going to come off like criticism. I think it's a positive thing. Yeah, the, the, I'll, I'll stick the defense to my to my final point. Um, you, you hear sometimes, well, you never want your safeties to be your leading tacklers. I think it's worse if your cornerbacks are your leading tacklers. And uh, Tennessee's had, had three guys with eight tackles tonight, and two of them were Warren Burrell and Christian Charles. Um, you know, Burrell is what he is at this point. I, I think teams saw what happened down the end of last at the end of last season, and they're going to go at him. I mean, that's just. I mean, these other teams watch film. They do self. You know, they do. You know, they scout months in advance and and look for, for places they can attack, and um, Burrell's just going to have to respond. Uh, Christian Charles, I, I thought he kind of looked like a guy who was playing his first game at a new position tonight. He, he didn't give up anything big, but um, it, it looked like he was maybe giving up some things underneath. And um, I, I think we said in camp that Kamal Haddon was the best cornerback on the team. That that was another takeaway of mine tonight was that, that he's, he's the best cornerback on this team. Um, he needs to sort of rein it in. There were a couple times he was jawing a little bit, and – I think one time even Jeremy Banks, of all people, was trying to pull him away from, from a guy he was woofing at. He, he also ran about 60 yards to the corner there after his interception to, I think, uh, either give his parents a hug or somebody down there. That was that was kind of kind of fun. How dare he? I mean, how dare he have fun and enjoy the moment? I mean, that's ridiculous. These guys should just be robots who run back to the sideline, hand the ball to the referee. No. Um, I agree with you. <laughs> no, this – uh, you know, we heard a lot about playing more guys on defense. I think we saw that tonight. I think they played uh, – this is just in the first half. I think they played five defensive tackles, six edge guys. Uh, Joshua Joseph's got a lot of run in this game, played early. Um, I think we saw two tandems at, at linebacker with uh, – even with Juwan Mitchell out, and, and we saw three cornerbacks. And, and even Nico Slaughter got, uh, got on the field in, in, the, in, the first, in the second quarter for Trayvon Flowers for a series or two. So um, they stuck to – the plan of playing more guys. Do they have better depth? We'll we'll find out more. Again, that, that's the common theme of this of this game is that we're going to find out a lot more about Tennessee moving forward. But um, and maybe some of those rotations and some of those guys get fewer snaps as the season goes on as they determine who they can trust and who they can't. But uh, those are those are two of the defensive takeaways for me from this game. Yeah, I, I talked about my two biggest takeaways: uh, the fact that Tennessee beat an inferior team the way that it should, and that typically is a great sign or is a sign of a good team. Uh, typically, it's a, a sign of a good team. So we'll see. Uh, Pittsburgh, Florida will be nice tests. And, and I think Tennessee very much has a chance to win those games, obviously. And if they go out and do so, then I think we can reflect on tonight and, and kind of point to that as evidence of like, yeah, I mean, that, that was – uh, the, the starting point of, of this being a good team. And if not, then we'll forget that I even made this point. So that was my biggest takeaway. And then obviously I talked about the receivers as well. Uh, Joe Milton, I, I thought he looked really good. Uh, he had the one throw that was partially his fault in the end zone. Still could have been caught. Should have been caught. It absolutely should have been caught by Hunter Salmon. But he also has to take a little mustard off of it. You've got to take a little heat off of that throw. But um, just nitpicking uh, overall, I thought he looked great. Looked like a far different quarterback than last year's opener against Bowling Green. Threw an absolute uh, piss missile, as I like to call him, over there on the baseball diamond. 
uh, to Jimmy Holiday for a nice touchdown. I thought he looked great. But uh, honestly, my, my last thought is uh, away from Neyland Stadium tonight and, and more so looking ahead to next Saturday. I cannot wait. I was already excited to get up to Pittsburgh, go see a different venue and so on and so forth. But after casually watching the Pittsburgh-West Virginia game on my iPad and seeing how that game ended, it looked really fun. Pitt looks to be the real deal. Um, I think Tennessee slides into the top 25 more than likely after tonight. Uh, it's going to be a top 25 matchup, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC. Should be a, a, a packed stadium. Uh, it's going to be really fun, and I'm really excited to get up there and, and go watch that game. I, I think both teams are very evenly matched, and I, I think it's going to be a great back-and-forth football game. Yeah, and now we can uh, we can go wrap this up, and we can go write our stories and, and probably get to bed at some really awful hour tonight. Uh, but then we can get up tomorrow and the day after, and we can watch college football. We don't. It's a rare treat for those of us who, who cover this is to actually sit down on a Saturday and be able to watch uh, a lot of games. So looking forward to that. Guys, thanks for hanging with us. And again, apologies if some of the audio stuff tonight needs to be cleaned up. Uh, it's the first game for everybody. We will get some of this stuff sorted, and we will be back uh, in a proper venue on uh, our, our normal venue there on Monday morning and then more stuff throughout the week. So uh, until then, I guess, uh, guys, thanks for being here. Pat, Ben, thanks, yeah. guys. Bye, Wes. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7. On Twitter, Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. You can also go uh, to Twitter.com slash GoVols 24-7 and Facebook.com slash GoVols 24-7 to get all of the stuff there, or most of the stuff there. We got stuff on there that we update throughout the day, all day, every day. Tons of stuff on there. All good stuff. But if you want that best, most delicious, that sparkling, delicious, crystal clear East Tennessee Smoky Mountain Spring Water right from the tap, go directly to GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball coverage. We cover Tennessee baseball better than anybody out there. We got that for you. We got Lady Vols coverage with award-winning Maria Cornelius, who covers all things Lady Vols for us. You also get administration news. Basically, anytime anything happens over there at the University of Tennessee, we bring it to you at GoVols247.com. We also have two forums that run around the clock, the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go and discuss uh, anything you want that is not political or religious in nature, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we will be there to discuss it with you. Just about one of us is up just about all the time, at least, so you can go in there and do that. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, and that's after a free trial, and that's always. A lot of times we have better deals than that, but at least we have the seven-day free trial, and then you can start paying us. And when you start paying us, again, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which is the streaming arm of CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of it. Get all of it right there. And it's, I mean, you got stuff, brand new movies, exclusive movies, exclusive shows. You get stuff from the vaults of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, all of it. And obviously everything CBS has ever done commercial-free. 
That's a $100 plus annual value that we'll put in your pocket for nothing. For nothing. So we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year. Guys, that is an unbelievable deal. So please, this is a great time. Go take advantage of that now. Uh, if you haven't heard from us uh, from a couple days, there's been a problem. We should be back here uh, in, in a couple days or so. You'll hear from us very, very shortly. Until then, guys, be good to each other. Be decent to each other. Please, there's not nearly enough of that in our world anymore. God, we are so mean to each other. Have some basic human empathy. Allow people their dignity. Try to be kind. Be good to each other. Until then, be good, guys. See you. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.